What's up, everybody? Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. It snuck up on us. Crazy. We're recording here on July 12th. Actually, funny, I just looked at my watch. It's 7.12 p.m. on July 12th as an airplane flies over my head, my home, uh, here in the uh, the heart of the Garden City in Missoula, Montana. Appreciate you for tuning in. Coulter Nuanez, co-founder of Skyline Sports. Uh, we're coming up on it. We're uh, we're almost to our 10-year anniversary of Skyline. How crazy is that? Can't tell you how much I appreciate everybody for listening, subscribing, reading, looking, looking at all our photos. Got to say thanks also to our all the guys that have helped contribute so much. Brooks Nuanez, co-founder of Skyline Sports. Andrew Howden, who's been our right-hand man for quite some time, helping cover so many things on the Big Sky level. And also producing our ESPN radio show there at ESPN MT. Jason Bocci, congratulations. New editor of the Bozeman Daily Chronicle. We started from the bottom, now we're here. Jason and I both got jobs at the Chronicle uh, just a couple months apart from each other back in 2011. He's remained one of my great friends and uh, just promoted to the managing editor of the Chronicle. So uh, pretty cool for him. Blake Hempstead, the first guy I ever talked into taking photos for Skyline Sports. Met him on the walking bridge. Actually, he met my mom on the walking bridge and uh, then called me and said, hey, I'll take some photos for you. I said, heck yeah, let's roll. So he's been integral uh, in Skyline Sports development. Of course, Tom Stuber, who's really helped us pick up uh, so many different stories there in Bozeman and tie up so many loose ends when it comes to covering the Cats. And uh, we really appreciate uh, all his con- contributions as well. Uh, this Big Sky Breakdown, can't tell our sponsors thank you enough as well. Cool to have summer content. So this is our summer podcast series here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Got a bunch of other content upcoming over the next several weeks and months, and of course all the way through football season. Life of Communications, uh, if you get the Skyline Sports newsletter, they are the exclusive sponsor of that, and that's been such a great addition for us to help spread uh, our content and uh, help you guys have an easy access point to it. So thanks for subscribing to that newsletter and uh, visit goblackfoot.com to see what Blackfoot Communications can do for you. Opportunity Bank. Now, when they inquired, hey, are you going to have a, uh, some summer content? I said, well, if you want to be a part of it, certainly we can. Great. Here we are. Uh, visit opportunitybank.com. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. And also, of course, Town Pump. We just started our Brawl of the Wild First Look series on Nuanas Now, our daily radio show on ESPN Radio. And uh, can't say thanks enough to Town Pump. They uh, help help keep us on the road. Town Pump by the mile is back. Town Pump will be helping us out, stay fueled up, both when it comes to petroleum as well as uh, any sort of snacks and drinks that we might need. They also have a great beer and wine selection. And, uh, of course, everybody needs gasoline. So we'll be um, taking the show on the road in a variety of different uh, definitions Certainly the Big Sky Breakdown, certainly coverage from home and away games in both Missoula and Bozeman and around the Big Sky Conference. And uh, we'll also be taking Nuanas now on the road as well. We couldn't do any of that without Town Pump. Uh, we will be giving away Town Pump gift cards weekly pretty much the whole second half of the year on Nuanas now and the Big Sky Breakdown. So uh, stay tuned for all of that. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a Town Pump food store near you. And finally, got to say thanks to the Hype House 
Hype House located on Tool Avenue in Missoula, one of my favorite spots to go to. Hype House has been uh, quite a journey for me. It really uh, stretches my comfort zone. You're probably familiar. It's a high-intensity spin studio. They've also added some strength classes. I think there's some stereotypes there. You know, hey, it's just a bunch of really, really fit young gals that do it. And uh, certainly that's a, a large part of the clientele. But it's a very friendly and welcoming atmosphere. There's not a lot of guys that go. But if you are a guy that's listening and you want to try it out, I would highly suggest it super efficient workouts they're really challenging but it's not like you're dying i mean to put it in perspective i would much rather go to a spin class than i would go for a run i'm not much of a jogger but the spin classes get your sweat on it's fun choreographed and uh, the strength class is a great way to supplement it as well so appreciate the partnership down there uh, at the hype house visit uh, hypehousestudio.com to learn more or download the great hype house app this big sky breakdown we're coming to you the day before the All Big Sky preseason teams and the preseason ballots are due. Usually about, I don't know, I'd say 35 to 40 people vote in this, various media members and sports information people, etc., from around the Big Sky Conference. Now, the, here's the defining factor. The preseason awards are voted on by the media. The postseason awards are voted on by the coaches. We also usually put out our postseason poll uh, excuse me, our postseason teams, and I'm thinking about maybe actually having a, a conglomeration. So stay tuned for that. Think about maybe having a Skyline Sports poll of uh, voters to see uh, who the media would pick as their all-conference team. I, I don't know. I think it could be interesting. We always do one at Skyline Sports, so at the very least you'll have that. Uh, but our votes are due tomorrow. Then the, the results will come out on July 24th at the Big Sky Kickoff Media Days. So we'll keep you apprised of these uh, preseason polls and the preseason teams. I know some people think these are silly. I agree they don't mean anything, but it's fun to start the conversation and the analysis. It's fun to sort of get dived into it. So we've been talking about this a little bit already this week. Uh, we'll have certain uh, sound bites from Nuanas now spliced into this conversation. But Andrew Houghton uh, of SkylineSportsMT.com as well as uh, ESPNMT, uh, he'll join me for the duration of this episode. And uh, we'll go through our all-conference picks and some conversation points about the all-conference teams uh, as well as uh, our preseason polls. How do we expect teams to finish? I don't know if I'm actually going to give you my one, two, three, four, five. I think we're just going to talk contenders and pretenders and maybe our number one pick. And uh, we'll get to all that here on this latest Big Sky Breakdown. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Big Sky Breakdown, you can always find it, SkylineSportsMT.com, Skyline Sports, every day, every season. Now, we covered a lot of this on Nuanas Now, which, by the way, if you're not in on it, get it on your podcasts, get it in your habits, 1029 ESPN Radio around western Montana. There were statewide around the, the, the state on SWX Montana Television. You can always stream us mobily, ESPN MT app, and you can always stream the audio, 1029ESPN.com. So that's how you find Nuanas now. You'll hear excerpts of our live ESPN radio show each, uh, probably all the time here on the Big Sky Breakdown. So um, stay tuned for that, including a couple right now. I asked Andrew just about some of the broad storylines within the league on Tuesday, and uh, here's what he had to say just about um, sort of the, the wide-open Big Sky Conference defensive MVP race. My general first impression, and it was uh, something that sort of tied into what we were talking about earlier, I'm just excited, I think, for all the options for Defensive Player of the Year. It feels a lot mm-hmm. different this year. That was the the sort of uh, the spot on the ballot that my eye turned to first. I think the last couple of years we've had 
a real kind of consensus candidate at the start of the season, whether that's sure. Troy Anderson or Patrick O'Connell. Uh, you know, a couple other guys, even going back to Trey Walker at Idaho. Some of those guys this year, man, I think you can make arguments for, let me see, there are seven guys on the ballot here. Sure. I think you can make arguments for most of those guys, and I think you can probably make arguments for a couple of guys who aren't listed there as well. Yeah, the nominees on the ballot this year, Alex Gubner of Montana, interior defensive lineman, Sebastian Valdez of Montana State. I think those, uh, both of those guys, I think, are the two best interior defensive linemen uh, in the conference. I think that both of them have real NFL um, aspirations. I, I think Sebastian Valdez is the best NFL prospect in the Big Sky Conference. So I think Alex Gubner, even though he might not have uh, the prototype length, his explosiveness is unbelievable. He's going to run a laugh-out-loud time on his pro day for how much he weighs. He's going to come into his pro day weighing 290-plus, and he's going to run a really good time, I almost promise you. The big man can move, no doubt about it. Aloy uh, Quiti uh, of Northern Arizona is also on the ballot, a defensive lineman. He's more of an edge guy. David Hogue, who was one of the best edge guys in the conference two years ago at Northern Colorado, he missed last season. Uh, most of last season with an injury, but he's back there at UNC. Armin Bailey, who's a linebacker at Sac State, he's back for, I believe, his sixth year. Uh, he's a very productive player. The other thing about Sac State, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how they have a, a pretty good tradition going, and I just mean a little, I shouldn't say tradition. They have a good trend going these last handfuls of years of guys that have been sort of key pieces but not necessarily stars defensively, and then when they become seniors, rising up and becoming stars, and several of those guys have gotten drafted. I mean, George Obina was one of the best in the big sky for two years straight, great edge player there for Sac State. Uh, Dron Bland was a guy who was a first-team all-league guy two years in a row, and then he grad transferred to Fresno State and got drafted in the fourth round uh, of the NFL draft. And then Marte Mapu, people forget, he was the postseason big sky defensive MVP this last year. So if, if Armin Bailey can follow that trend, a guy that was good, for a couple years, but then gets his chance in the limelight, boom, and then explodes. Uh, he could be an absolute, uh, you know, premier player in the Big Sky, and maybe deserves to be uh, one of the key figures uh, in this Big Sky Conference defensive MVP race. The other two candidates, Rex Connors of UC Davis, who seems like he's been there forever and is, still has two years of eligibility left, and then Winston Reed, a linebacker from Weber State, who a lot of people thought should have been the defensive MVP period last year uh, there for the Wildcats. So he'll be a veteran cog there in the middle of the Wildcat defense as well. But back to the Sac State point, I, just, I, thought, I think it's fascinating because we've been talking so much the last three years about Sac State's success stemming from Troy Taylor and their offense, the two-quarterback system, you know, the, the mad scientist play calling that Troy Taylor has made such a habit of, and then great skill players too like Cameron Scadaboo and Pierre Williams. But – Zach State's had some really good defensive players as well, and uh, if Armin Bailey can follow in the steps of several of the guys that came directly before him, uh, Zach State might have another guy that's uh, one of the top guys in the league. Yeah, of course, the interesting part with that is that it's never really translated to having a good team defense, right? Last year, Marte Mapu, the best, uh, you know, the postseason defensive player of the year, a really high draft pick, third round, I think, to the New England Patriots and a guy who's been turning heads in preseason camp for them. Man, they just couldn't get a stop with their season on the line. Uh, and that's sort of been been the problem for Sac State, even dating back to when they had some of those earlier guys. I mean, when George Obina was there. For sure. They they were okay on defense. They never were able to put it together. So, I mean, Armand Bailey certainly has the potential 
to be one of those guys. To me, the bigger question is, you know, can Andy Thompson now be in the head coach? Yeah. Can they build a, a coherent defense around him? And, of course, that would only help Armand Bailey's, you know, postseason defensive player of the year candidacy because I think he is going to put up stats. For me, the big sticking point with Marte Mapu last year was he's a great player. They weren't able to build a really good defense around him. It's true, and we argued about this a lot. Actually, we were on the same page on this. We sort of argued against Marte Mapu getting Defensive Player of the Year honors, only because I mean, the, you know, the guy's talent is apparent. He's a third round draft pick by the New England Patriots, so um, he certainly is is a, an individually talented player. And he did a ton of stuff in that Sac State defense last year. We just argued against him being Defensive MVP because, like Andrew said, they couldn't stop anybody. I mean. Their season ended because they gave up 63 points. It was the biggest sort of we told you so in terms of them being unable to to get stops when they needed to uh, in the biggest moments. Yeah, I think they were what they were covered two onside kicks in that game, went on to score and still couldn't get a stop. Uh, Yeah, but I think that you know I think that's a great group of guys. We just read off the ballot. I think that you know Montana and Montana State both nominated great defensive linemen. But I think that you could talk me into a Montana and a Montana State linebacker both being in this discussion. Sure. Uh, I think you could talk me into... I think it's just hard It's hard for the preseason version of this because you don't know which one, right? Whether it's going to be Janicaro or Braxton Hill or somebody else at Montana, whether it's going to be like Nolan Askelson yeah. or Dan, Danny Yu at Montana State for sure. Uh, another kind of... Um, a guy who I really think should be in this discussion is, is Maxwell Anderson at Weber State. He made waves uh, in multiple ways last year, but was one of the top uh, interception guys in the in the conference. And uh, I think he even had a pick six or even two last year. So um, th- that's the part about Weber State. We talked about this on the Big Sky Breakdown podcast, Andrew and I did, when we broke down all five of the new head coaches in the league and sort of the various challenges that they face. Weber faces the challenge of replacing the greatest coach in their school's history in Jay Hill. But Jay Hill had been there for nine years, and he recruited as well as anybody in the conference. And so you look at Weber's roster, and they still have you know, argu- arguably the best corner in the league in Maxwell Anderson. They have arguably the, the best kick returner in the league in Abraham Williams. They still have great talent there at Weber. So um, certainly uh, it's going to be fascinating uh, to watch how all that plays out. The- Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any town pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. We also talked about the offensive MVP uh, of the Big Sky Conference, who we would vote for, but also some of the, you know, theoretical betting odds. If you were a betting man, who's actually uh, some of the dark horses to win the Big Sky Conference offensive MVP? Here's that discussion from Nuanas now. But Andrew, I wanted to ask you about the offensive pick uh, for offensive MVP. Uh, first of all, I thought it was fascinating that Idaho, uh, and, I, and to be fair, he only got one nominee, but I thought it was interesting. But also not surprising that Idaho nominated Hayden Hatton and not Giovanni McCoy. I don't think that was surprising. It's not surprising. Hayden Hatton is the best player in the league. I think we both agree on that, right? At least the best offensive player in the league. 
I think I think he's the best player in the league. Period. Yes. Hayden Hatton, of, of, and if you don't know who we're talking about, he's a wide receiver. Go read the story on Skyline Sports. Go read the story on Skyline Sports. Uh, you just go to SkylineSportsMT.com, type in Hayden Hatton there on the search bar, and boom, he got it. But he was. How do you, I don't want to be too hyperbolous about this, but I, I mean, I, I'm just really going through it really quick in my head before I make this statement. But I think it's true. He was the most unstoppable offensive player that the league has seen since Cooper Cup. I think the only other guy that's in that argument is peak Troy Anderson when he was playing quarterback. But in terms of sustained success at an, uh, uh, an orthodox, not an unorthodox position, it's Hayden Hatt was the best guy the league's seen in probably six or seven years this last year. I mean, he was like a two-touchdown-per-game guy for the whole duration of the conference season. Could not be schemed against. And, and teams I mean, tried people it. in Missoula knew. I mean, he came to Washington Grizzly Stadium and ate the Grizz alive, and that was actually one of his uh, lesser performances of yeah, the Yeah, Grizz did okay. Year. Yeah, they did okay. I mean, Hatton had multiple three-touchdown games. I mean, there was a couple of games where Andrew and I were watching this, and we were just laughing out loud. They were just throwing the ball up to this guy. He is just beast. I mean, he looks like Bill Russell rebounding in the 1960s, just snaring the ball out of the air, and nobody had a shot to guard this guy. Sort of spoiling the preseason offensive MVP pick here. I voted for him. I, I am going to as well. Yeah, I mean, that. I, I, I think that that's it. You thought about, though, it's not surprising Idaho nominated Hayden Hatton, but ironically, I do think that Giovanni McCoy actually has, if you were doing betting odds on this, I think Giovanni McCoy would have slightly better sure. betting odds than Hayden Hatton, only because Giovanni McCoy, the great quarterback for Idaho that was the freshman of the year nationally a year ago, he is going to have way more uh, options to throw to Jermaine Jackson is one of the best wide receivers in the conference. Anthony Woods is a great running back, but he can also catch the ball out of the backfield. I know has a ton of offensive weapons. Also, though, teams are going to absolutely throw the kitchen sink at Hayden Hatton. From what I saw last year, it's not going to matter, but he's certainly going to get an, an even more elevated level of attention this year. And that's why, like, if we're, we're talking about betting, Jermaine Jackson would be an interesting, like, oh, for long sure. shot pick for, for sure for Big Sky offensive player. Give me player five of the year, to one odds on that. I would totally maybe throw a little, a couple ducats on that. He's exceptionally talented. I think another thing we might see with Giovanni McCoy this year. Uh, what if Idaho goes to the quarterback run game a little bit more? He, sure. I, I think Giovanni McCoy probably haven't seen him since uh, November or December. Sure, but I think he's probably put on a little bit of weight this off season. Well, I mean. He, he, <laughs> It would be hard not to. It would be hard not to. He's He is exceptionally skinny. And I know that that was a, a very big point of uh, emphasis for Jason Eck and that Idaho staff in the offseason. And, and just and gain I, a little weight. I mean, Giovanni McCoy talked about it on the show, too. He said, I know that's my next step. i yep. got to be more physically durable, for sure. And it, it, he's a very good athlete. I think, you know... They could scheme up some stuff to where he could uh, increase his rushing stats as well. Yeah. Uh, I think he's an interesting one. I mean. Yeah, it's funny. If you gave me a board of betting odds, I'm, I'm going to select, I'm going to vote for Hayden Hatton of Idaho. But if I was betting on it, I would not vote for, or I would not bet on Hayden Hatton, not because I don't think he's going to win it. I just think you can get good odds, and I do agree. I think Jermaine Jackson is a good one, and I also think that the other one would be Tommy Mallott. Just be, but he also is, a, is sort of a tenuous one if you were actually betting on it because of just his penchant to get injured because he's in harm's way so often as such a run-heavy quarterback there at Montana State. But those would be interesting odds if you could find them. Yep, we've seen Tommy Mallott, of course, miss time. If he, gets, if he puts together a full, healthy season— Behind that offensive line, 
his stats are going to be just uh, just out of this world. And well, I know that's, that's even right. with splitting time with well, Sean Chambers and doing the two quarterbacks and, and, in the backfield. And that's the one thing. That's another place maybe you turn, actually, if you wanted a real big underdog bet in, in this scenario, it would actually be Sean Chambers. Because, I mean, Chambers missed half of last year. I, I My grumbling in the press box every week, when anytime I was covering a game in Bozeman, was... It would be sacrilegious if Sean Chambers, who I think is a great kid and a really good player, but it would be sacrilegious if Sean Chambers came in and had more rushing touchdowns in a season than Troy Anderson and Don Hass, <laughs> the two greatest Bobcats of all time, just because Chambers was the guy who got to score all the touch. I mean, it's kind of like Marcus Knight. Marcus Knight is a really good player at Montana. Yep. He also got... All-American honors in 2019 because he was the guy who got the opportunity to score the touchdown every the time. The inside the five. Right. Yeah. I mean, anytime Sammy Akin would have a 47-yard gain and then go to the sideline for a blow, Marcus Knight would score a four-yard touchdown. Or, you know, Mitch Roberts, the poor kid, had catches all the way down to the five-yard line or closer six or seven times, and Marcus Knight would go get the touchdown. Dalton Sneed would score the touchdown. There was a lot of guys that were sniping the touchdowns from the receivers that 2019 year. But anyways, I digress. Um but Speaks to how interesting this year is for offensive MVP. Because no, it really I, is. We've talked about if we were betting on it, a bunch of our, our best picks would be off the board. Here's another one for you. I think Marcus Fulcher is really good. I, I do too, and I know that the, the coaches at Sac State uh, do as well. And I, he didn't get nominated for preseason offensive MVP at Sac State. They nominated the tight end, Marshall Martin, who's an in, incredible player, a real deal I mean, NFL prospect. No doubt. And a two-time, I believe, returning first-team all-conference performer. I mean, he has been – he is the the uh, most recognizable face on that Sac State offense coming back this year. And I think that's why they nominated him as sort of a, a, a reward for tenure, right? He's the, he's the guy. He's the senior who's coming back. He's going to be the face of that offense. I don't know what Sac State's offensive line is going to look like. I don't know who's going to play quarterback there. I think if those pieces are at an acceptable level, we could see a breakout season from Marcus Fulcher. So if he was a really long shot guy, I'd probably sprinkle some dough on him too. It's an interesting one, and we'll see how prolific Sac State's offense is, but you have to think they're at least going to be pretty good just given the amount of talent they've been able to accumulate, not only just during the Troy Taylor era, but also – uh, the Marshall Spurback time before that, and Jody Sears was in there as well. But, I mean, Sac State, I say this all the time on the show, but Sac State's been better than people remember. They were closer than what people give them credit for before they had this breakthrough and won three straight Big Sky titles. I mean, they were – Sac State was knocking on the door of the playoffs in 2014. They were knocking on the playoffs, I think it was 2017 or 18, when they went 6-2 and two in conference play. I mean, they've won more than they've lost in conference Several times over the last ten years, including now these last three, going twenty-three and one in Big Sky Conference play. We also started our discussion about um, sort of the broad storylines around the league on Nuanas now, and so you can find that here on the Big Sky Breakdown, uh, including some thoughts about Montana State fullback Derek Snell. I thought it was hilarious that you look at uh, the fullback position in terms of the nominees, and there's one guy. It's Derek Snell. He was the first-team all-league fullback last year in the Big Sky Conference, so he's certainly going to be the preseason guy. It's funny because fullback is sort of, on one hand, I do think it's going to help Derek Snell's future prospects, particularly when it comes to being in the pros, because Derek Snell is a phenomenal athlete. He's a really tough kid, former Gatorade Player of the Year from the state of Alaska. He is a great multi-sport guy like we see so often with small-town kids. He's really versatile in the football field. If he's getting scouted as a tight end, he's going to get hardly any attention because he's about six foot two and a half. So he doesn't have that prototype size. 
But he's shown now these last couple years that he's he can play tight end, inline tight end. He can play split out tight end, like a Y tight end. He could also play as an H back. There's this narrative that the fullback is a dead position. Well, I think the fullback is just a misnomer. The guy who gets in front of the running back with his hand in the dirt, that's a pretty uh, dead position. But the guy who comes in motion all the time and, and is a lead blocker through the hole, think Kyle Juszczyk for the San Francisco 49ers. Think Alan Richard for the Baltimore Ravens. There's a role for that guy in the NFL. I think Derek Snell's NFL prospects will be accelerated by the fact that he's almost certainly, barring any sort of injury, going to be a first-team all-league selection two years in a row at this position. But I think the NFL teams will also be able to see beyond that and see the nuance of it. He's he's a To me, he's a prototypical HY hybrid. He's not a fullback. I think it's brilliant, though, that Montana State nominates him as a fullback because now he's just going to be a shoe-in as a first-team all-league player until his career is over. Yeah, I had a little chuckle at Montana State not only having the only fullback nominee, the only <laughs> nominee for all-purpose player. It's going to be Sean Chambers. Uh, so Sean Chambers <laughs> and Derek Snell, congrats on your preseason all-conference <laughs> That's right. That's honors. Right. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting. I, both of those positions, right, it's like you need to still have those positions around for all-conference balloting because some some years there just is a guy in the league at that position who's worthy of being all-conference, but but some years there isn't, right? Yes. And, and you know, I, I think Derek Snell and, and Sean Chambers are both great players who are worthy of preseason all-conference recognition, but it's just kind of funny to see Montana State putting forth the only nominees for those sort of uh, vestigial... Um, sometimes necessary, sometimes not spots. We talked about sort of the the the, the uh, prestige of those two inside defensive linemen for Montana and Montana State, Alex Gubner and Sebastian Valdez. And then, you know, Armin Bailey could be the next kind of breakout Sac State guy. Rex Connors had a great year last year at UC Davis. He's a sort of a rover safety type, and he's going to have a million tackles if he's healthy all year long. Winston Reed, I thought, was a top three guy in the league last year in terms of his MVP candidacy, and a lot of people thought he should have won the Big Sky defensive MVP at Weber State, and now he's back for his senior year, so he's probably the front runner. But what about David Hogue at Northern Colorado? Hogue was, I thought, the best pure pass rusher in the league, not named Daniel Hardy, two years ago. He's also an infinitely fascinating kid. He's a world-class chef that has traveled the world because of his chef pursuits. The last time he was on this show, he was talking about going and spending six weeks in France in a culinary school extension. So that's pretty cool. But Hogue blew out his knee last year. It was hardly reported on in the big sky circles. Uh, but that was, a, I mean, I know Northern Colorado hasn't been very good, but Hogue has had a great numbers anytime he's been healthy. So, um any thought on him? I mean, he's actually the most proven player on this league or on this uh, this candidate list other than Winston Reed. He just is coming off of an injury. Completely agree with everything he said. I don't really have have anything else to, to add to that. I would yeah. say that uh, you're exactly right. He's the best pure pass rusher in the league, and we've seen really two archetypes of player win defensive MVP, right? And Winston Reed is one of them. You're a linebacker who who's just going to rack up a ton of tackles and make a bunch of impact plays just from being in the middle of the defense and being able to cover ground, or it's the guy who's able to rush the quarterback. So I think, uh, you know, maybe I, I, I like Alex Gubner and Sebastian Valdez as much as you do. Yeah. Tough for the defensive tackle to get those kinds of numbers that put you in the conversation. 
I like Maxwell Anderson at Weber State better yep. than anybody else who covers this league. Yeah. Really tough as a cornerback yeah, to put up the numbers to get you in a conversation. I mean, if Justin Ford didn't win it yeah. at Montana, right. Maxwell Anderson's going to have to do something I mean, incredibly special to be in the conversation. In my time in the league, there's only been one corner that ever won it, and that's Teron Johnson. That was at Weber State in 2017. He then, of course, went on to become a third-round pick and has been a starter for the Buffalo Bills for the last seven years. Everybody in the league kind of knew, hey, put the numbers aside, just watch the film. This guy's the best shutdown corner the league has seen in a decade plus. We have to give this guy the deal. That also comes into this, and we'll get into this more on the podcast later on tonight, but sometimes it takes your team having an absolutely great year and your coach having a lot of authority, too. Like we saw this with JT Tululi at Eastern Washington a couple of years ago. He was that dominant inside guy for Eastern. He didn't have crazy numbers. I think yep. he had like four sacks and ten tackles for loss, which are great numbers for sure. But it wasn't like needing 15 sacks or something like that. But everybody knew that guy's the boss hog. That guy is the, the best player in the league. We're going to vote for that guy. His suspension for the national championship game certainly didn't help Eastern Washington against North Dakota State that year. So there you go. That's sort of to set the table for you, what we've already been talking about this week. And now here's some Big Sky Breakdown action for you. Andrew Houghton, upcoming the rest of the conversation points around the league, plus our all Big Sky team on the Big Sky Breakdown. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities, bringing a world-class fiber network to homes, communities, and businesses of all sizes, ensures Montanans have access to fast, reliable, and secure internet and phone services. Are you ready for fiber internet? To find out if fiber is coming to your area, visit goblackfoot.com slash readyforfiber. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications is the official digital sponsor of Bobcat Sports and Grizzly Athletics. So here we are, uh, Big Sky Breakdown. I can't even remember how many seasons this has been. I think nine or ten. Uh, and Andrew Houghton's been a part of it for roughly about half of that, on and off, and uh, consistently now for the last couple of years. So happy to have him riding with us. This is preseason All Big Sky picks. We talked offensive MVP and defensive MVP conversations, but just quickly, just let's just get this thing started here with our preseason All Conference teams. Uh, we both agreed on the offensive player of the year. I think Hayden Hatton is the most dominant player at his position in the conference in, the country. in, in several years. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I mean, he, he is an outlier in, in every sense of the word. I mean, his, I, his route running, his ball skills, he, I mean, he's fast, but, but it, really his route running and his ball skills are among the best that I have ever seen. The thing that makes it so easy to um, talk him up, though, all of those things are great. They pale in comparison to his swagger. First thing that, I noticed. That's the thing. You, you're just like, oh, Idaho looks different. They look pretty good. Who's their best player? Oh, that guy's their best player. And then you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that guy's actually the best player. He, In terms of the way he carries himself, I said this on the show, and you guys just listened to it. Uh, I'm not saying he's Cooper Cup, but he's the first guy that I've seen that has that level of just elitism since Cup, and that was, you know, seven years ago. And there have been some good guys in the league since then. Really good. Uh, yeah, I mean, the he's a guy so interesting because he's just kind of popped onto the scene because he broke out a little bit in the spring, then he was hurt that entire fall. So last year is when everybody started hearing about right, him for the right, first time. Right. So it felt like we were kind of, you know, beating the drum for him last year. Right. This year, that's not going to be the case. This year, everybody nationally is going to be talking about him. Oh, and he was also like a wide receiver tight end split because they were seeing how big he was going to get. And 
then they were smart enough to figure out, oh, just put him on the outside. I thought this is what Montana should have done with Cole Grossman. We'll get to that a lo- way later on down the road here on this Big Sky Breakdown. But, uh, yeah, consensus from us, Hayden Hatton, uh, the offensive preseason MVP in the Big Sky, uh, wide receiver out of Idaho. Preseason defensive MVP, we talked about how this is a sort of a wide-open deal, and we talked, you know, we made the case for and against Armin Bailey of Sac State, David Hogue of Northern Colorado, Alex Governor of Montana, Sebastian Valdez at Montana State, uh, Aloy Quit of uh, Northern Arizona, and Winston Reed of uh, Weber State. But who actually did you pick? I checked Winston Reed. So did I. Okay, w- one sort of complication here. I think working in Winston Reed's favor is that he's the type of player who wins this award. He's a That's middle right. linebacker who's going to rack up a ton of tackles. That's right. One That's thing, right. Th- we have this conversation in here. One thing that I sort of working against him what does he look like on a diminished Weber State defense? Because we know Eddie Heckard left, and I think Eddie Heckard was one of the best defensive players in the conference. But what I think oh, is sure. more important, Coulter, no Weber State defensive lineman nominated. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. At defensive line this year, I think that's reflective of the lack of experience more than the lack of talent. I think that's true, here's, and I, I will the, always bet that a Weber State defensive lineman is going to be on the list at the end of the that's year. That's exactly right. Here's the thing: is it's like the Montana State offensive line. Since I started being able to analyze what even that means, offensive line play, let's say 16, 17, 18 years ago, Montana State's never been bad on their offensive line. Not one time. Same thing with Weber State. Since I first started really following Weber State, like 2007, 2008, when Ron McBride was the coach and, and they were on a, on the come up and then challenged the Grizz for the Big Sky title and, and actually shared the Big Sky title in 2008, with the Grizz, you know, beat the Grizz in 2000. Uh, was that 2008 or 2009? Either way, in the playoffs, uh, those were their only two playoff appearances were those years. But that's the thing. Weaver's never had a bad defensive line. They always are good. They're just going to ha- – if you have any sort of guys from Utah, you just have good defensive linemen. Completely agree with you. Just had to mention it, right? Because no, for they, sure. I mean, in previous years they've had uh, George Tarlos, Adam Rodriguez, and especially the guys on the inside. No, uh, for sure. Jared, Jared Sheese. Yeah. Yeah. McKay Murphy was definitely one of the most formidable players in the league. I mean, they've had an endless string. That makes run, the middle so. linebacker's job a lot easier is all I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Winston Reed's just a grown-ass man. I mean, he, he uh, it was so funny talking to him in the post-game press conference after they lost to Montana State in the playoffs, which was an unfair seating and it was an unfair deal. But Winston Reed, it was like a Mike Tyson moment. This guy walks up to the press conference. This guy, he looks different than pretty much every defensive he player does. in the conference. I mean, there's a lot of ways to make him at 6'2", 245. But, I mean, this guy's arms look like a professional wrestler. I mean, he, he is a he's a stacked individual who runs really, really well. Watching him in warm-ups was impressive. But then he talks, and he's this super soft-spoken yep. guy with this really soft voice. And you're like, oh, okay. He also, to be completely fair, was completely despondent. And, of course, he was because Weber, I thought, for sure had a top – probably seven eight nine team in the country and they had to play the third best team in the country the second round of the playoffs yep. so it was uh, definitely an unfair seating but he, i i picked winston reed as well i think that the reason i picked him is because there was the thought that he could have been the defensive player of the year last year yep that fuel that fire was fueled by a whole bunch of conversation on twitter supported by a whole bunch of current and former weber state greats there was a whole bunch of Weber State greats that came to Winston Reed's defense and said this guy was the defensive player of the year. I thought that was a testament to Jay Hill's program as a whole, that there's former guys that were following along and then boosting this guy up. 
but I think that that's going to be motivation for him. You know, barring an injury, you're right. Uh, the position he's in, he's just going to have such prolific stats. So he's going to at the least be in the conversation when the season's over just because of the position that he's in. And the narrative that he uh, sh- maybe should have been in contention and maybe should have won it last year, of course, is going to carry into to this year, aside from just the motivation part of it. I think that gives him a little bit of a narrative boost. Who's the runner-up? We don't have to break that down. Just who would who would you have ha- have been your runner-up on this vote? That's a lot tougher question for me. It's a really lot tougher for sure. I would have said Alex Gubner. I would have said David Hogue. Yeah. But that's contingent on seeing how David Hogue comes back from his injury. And to win the defensive MVP at a school like Northern Colorado, you have to have such gaudy stats. Let's he talk, could though. He, he, you know, he, he totally could. He could be a 15 sack guy, no doubt. Uh, let's talk cornerbacks. There was only four nominated. Uh, Giovanni McCoy of Idaho was the Jerry Rice Award winner last year. Tommy Malott of Montana State, who was a second-team All-League pick last year, now is a junior there for MSU. Dante Sachere of Portland State, who was a really slick running and uh, dual-threat guy. You could tell the kind of athlete he was, super raw, not very developed last year, but he's a guy that's going to keep getting better. Barnum loves him. Yep. Uh, I mean, Bruce Barnum compared him to Davis Alexander. I mean, he says he's Davis Alexander, but he's a better athlete. Davis Alexander had the thing between the ears where he just was so freaking tough. Yeah, but I, I saw a lot of parallels between sort of that first no, Davis sure. Alexander year when he was really taking his lumps. Dante Sachere is like Chris Murray at Montana State, but he's a way better thrower. Yep. Great athlete. Uh, and then the, the final candidate is actually, this is one of the un, underknown, I'm not going to say unknown, but underknown trivia questions in the Big State Conference. Who was the first team all-league quarterback a year ago? It was Miles Hastings as a sophomore at UC Davis. It was a little bit of a controversial pick because Montana State went undefeated in the league and won it. And Giovanni McCoy was the national player of the year and got Idaho off the mat into the playoffs. So for Hastings to be above those two guys, but he also was a model of efficiency. So what do you think of these quarterback nominees and and who was your pick at quarterback? It's a good list. It's a good little list, right? Like you could talk me into any of those four guys winning it at the end of the season, I think. I'm the low guy on Miles Hastings because nothing that he did last year really jumped off the page to me, like you said. Sure. It, it was the efficiency more than anything. That's the offense, too, though, right? Correct. But I also wasn't impressed. I, I was watching him in all of their difficult games because those are the games that I gravitate to watching. So I was, like, sure. watching him against Weber State. Yeah. Uh, and it's tough to stand out there. So I'm the low guy on him, but I think he's a, a very good quarterback. And as you mentioned, he's certainly going to get better this year. Their quarterbacks not- usually get better. I mean, Dan Hawkins – mercurial for sure but he's he's a good quarterbacks coach and when he has a great quarterback he's really good at it and if the guy was starting as a sophomore i think probably dan hawkins thinks he can be a great quarterback and they're also going to always have the cerebral guy who is the model of efficiency too because that's just the makeup of the university that they're at right (laughs) like the davis quarterback is always going to be smart you know i remember when uc davis wasn't in the big sky yet or when they're first in the big sky you just knew you could hit up sports info and say hey let me have the quarterback for a podcast or the radio because it doesn't even matter what his name is, Randy Wright or, you know, uh, Jake Mayer or uh, Miles Hastings. He's going to be a smart, well-spoken guy. Agree with all of that. You could talk me into Dante Shashere absolutely just blowing up this year. I agree with everything you said about the kind of athlete he is. I, I've said it before. If Tommy Malott gets a full year healthy this year, if he can stay on the field, his stats are going to be unreal. All that said, I think Giovanni McCoy has to be the first-team quarterback. I really waffled because I almost voted for McCoy as uh, MVP only because I wanted to sound smart. But then I decided I didn't need to sound smart when it came to voting for Giovanni McCoy 
because Hayden Hatton is the choice for sure. And then I also thought, okay, Jelani McCoy, first-team all-league quarterback. And I agree with you, and I can't wait for you to make your case, but I'm voting for Tommy Malott just because I think that he is – he has at least of equal importance, if not more importance. Absolutely from true. From a leadership perspective, a face of a program perspective, Tommy Malott has gotten arguably more heaped upon him than any quarterback in the Big Sky or maybe even in the country. He's truly like – I'm not going to call him a cult hero yet, but he is certainly a – we talked about folk heroes, right? Like Tommy Malott is kind of like a modern-day folk hero, this kid from – this Oshucks kid from Butte, Montana with the rosy red cheeks who's just like the star. I was trying to think about this in terms of guys that have been bigger stars that are from Montana. It's been a long time. I think he's the biggest star in a decade from Montana. He's the first Montanan to play quarterback at Montana State in a quarter century, basically. Wow. So, I mean, Rob Compson in the mid-1990s was the last true starting quarterback. Jake Bleskin was a backup under Dakota Prukop and played it several times because Prukop would get hurt. But in terms of, like, the go-to guy who's the face of the program, it's been since probably, I mean, Brady Gustafson for the Grizz, but he was not that big of a superstar. He was certainly a hot commodity for a minute in time, but – you got to go all the way back to John Edwards in 2001 with the Grizz on the national championship team, Dave Dickinson. But for the Cats, it's all the way back to Rob Compson for a guy who's a multi-year starter from Montana. And the fact that he's from Butte, there's so many ties to Butte. There's just been so much pressure on this kid. He's had to talk about Sonny Holland in the media. He's had to talk about Matt McKay in the media. He's had to talk about Sean Chambers in the media. The coaching change, where he's from, all this stuff. And he handles it like a true champion. And uh, I, I'm just giving them the nod because I think that the Cats went undefeated in the league last year. They are the uh, defending champs. I know they're going to have a two-quarterback system, and Sean Chambers is going to have a ton of stats, but I think Tommy Malott, because of what he means to his team, is my pick. It's a good argument. Here's – well, the, the low-hanging fruit here is that the reason they're going to a two-quarterback system is because it's tough for Tommy Malott to stay healthy. Or either of them to stay healthy in that system. That's the whole thing. It's give, right. it's give and go with those two guys. So, do you? Th- I mean, does he get 11 games this year? And that's what I'm saying. If he gets 11 games, I think there's a very good chance he's going to be the first-team quarterback at the end of the season. Well, here's the thing, though, is I, I totally understand where you're coming from. The, the odds of Tommy Malott playing from start to finish all yeah. 11, I mean, the odds of him playing start to finish in all, all 11 games is zero because Sean Chambers is going to play. I think Jordan Reed will get some reps. I mean, they're going to blow teams out. No, for sure. Um, but Tommy Malott, I'm trying to think if this is a, a true statistic. I believe Tommy Malott has only lost one game in which he started and finished that game. And I, I believe that's against Oregon State. He got hurt the next week against Eastern Washington. The Cats have certainly lost uh, two games that he's gotten knocked out of because he got knocked out. They've also only lost four games in the last two years, so we're sort of mincing uh, hairs here. But, uh, I mean, Malott, his, his, his win-loss record, I'm not giving him all the credit for Montana State's win-loss record, but he is one of, if not the most important cog to their win-loss record. Even when he's out, that's the craziest part. Okay, that's a good point. Here's my more salient point, which is not about Tommy Malat at all. It's that I think Giovanni McCoy is just scratching the surface. True. And I think that he has the potential to be I mean, I don't know where the, I don't know where the ceiling is. Yeah. I saw him when he made one of his few starts 
his actual, I think he only played in four games, but one of them was against Montana. Yep. So he kept the red shirt his first year. Saw him, he looked lost, right? I mean, he looked like a kid who should have still been in high school. He still does, just physically. But last year, he lo- I mean, some of the things that he does with his timing and accuracy from the pocket are things that I would never expect a freshman quarterback to do. He also has, I'd say, arguably the best offensive coach in the league in Jason Eck. He's got the best offensive player in the league in yep. Hayden Hatton. He's also got two of the other best offensive weapons in the league in Jermaine Jackson and Anthony Woods. So, And they got a good offensive line. I mean, they're loaded on offense. So, I mean, he also has a lot of support around him. That's taking too much of the credit away from him. No, no, me. 100%, the, the, 100%. The things that he does allows – I mean, Hayden Hatton would be getting his on any team in the league. No, that's o- true. Obviously. It's 100% true. Jason Eck deserves – I'm not trying to take credit away from McCoy, but Eck also deserves so much credit because so much of the stuff they they did at Idaho last year, I'd never seen them him do during all those years as a, as a play caller at South Dakota State. The, the sort of, like, slow-moving pocket where they have two, like, in-motion linemen and they roll him out and he throws back across his body to the wide side of the field. Like, that's – that's them putting him in the best position to succeed. But also, he has a unique skill set that you need to do that with. So, uh, I mean, I think there's an argument for both of them, both uh, Javonte McCoy and Tommy Lott. Last words on McCoy. I just think we're go- I think we're going to see something special from him this year. I think that, man, Marty Mornenweg maybe could talk more uh, yep. s- impressively about this, but the pace of a quarterback's development is is a lot to do with their mental side That's and just right. how it quickly they're able to pick up the game. For sure. That's he, the other reason I voted for Tommy Block. Continue. McCoy was able to do that really impressively last year, but I don't I don't think he's finished. I, I totally agree. Malat, the people don't realize because the injury wasn't reported on a very detailed level, it was only reported on a broad level. The injury Tommy Malat had and the subsequent surgery that he had was supposed to keep him out way longer than he was actually out. But he was only playing at a, a percentage of what he could be. He was hesitant. He was also splitting reps because they were killing people in the non-conference because they did not play a very good non-conference schedule. And uh, then he bangs his head against uh, Eastern Washington, and now he's kind of gun-shy, and then he has to come back. He was never at full strength. His arm strength looked way better this year during spring ball. And I asked Brent Vegan about that, and he said that's specifically because his leg strength is better. He, he was having a hard time planting on his back foot and throwing. All I'm saying is that I don't know how good – I've said this all the time on this, on this podcast. I don't know how good Tommy Mallott can be. All I know is that Tommy Mallott will certainly make the best effort he can to be the best player he can be. And I think renewed health would be a huge boost for him. I think the same is true of McCoy. Last thing I'll say about this. Maybe not something that comes into our thinking. McCoy just has so much more ceiling in terms of the narrative, right? For it's like, sure. what else is Montana State going to do with Tommy Malone? You're going to go right. undefeated and win the conference title <laughs> again? Win, I mean, win 12 games for the second year in a row? Right. Right. They've won 12 games three times in their whole history. Two of them are the last two years. Uh, and and there has been sort of a, a hard ceiling on that team, too, in the, in the playoffs, right. right? And it's just... Uh, there's nowhere else to go except being national champions for that's them. Right. Now, that's the toughest barrier to break through. Giovanni uh, McCoy and Idaho this year have have a lot of potential milestones that they can hit, which I think is, is just important to the narrative at the end of the year. Big set breakdown. SkylarSportsMT.com. Here's an excerpt from Nuana is now talking about the depth of the running backs in the league or 
more aptly a whole bunch of new faces because so much of the depth is on the move. But another thought I had was just looking at the running backs. Last year, I remember one of my top features, or not top, one of my uh, features that I worked on early season was about the running backs in the league because there was all these running backs that were uh, guys that have been multi-year starters who then um, had all had to overcome some form of adversity. But there was five running backs in the league last year, including Josh Davis at Weber State, Alonzo Gilliam at UC Davis, Isaiah Fonse at Montana State, Elijah Dotson at Northern Colorado by way of Sac State, and Marcus Knight at Montana. All five of those guys had received All-American honors at some point in their uh, time at their respective schools. And Josh Davis, Alonzo Gilliam, and Isaiah Fonse were all multiple-time All-Americans. So it was one of arguably the deepest and most decorated classes of senior running backs that the league has seen. Well, guess what? All those guys, several of those guys, I should say, were really good last year. Josh Davis was good when healthy. Gilliam was lights out. Afonso was good when healthy, but he obviously only played during the playoffs, and then he sort of left the Bobcats in the dust, transferring twice this last offseason. Dotson was okay. It's tough uphill sledder when you're at Northern Colorado. They just weren't that good. And then Marcus Knight was never really able to find his 2019 form for the Grizz uh, after suffering that knee injury in the offseason leading up to last year. Um, and then ended up uh, leaving Montana and then came back and played lacrosse for the Grizz. And now he's at Tennessee Tech. Uh, but his Grizz career, on the football field at least, did not finish maybe how he wanted or what his potential was. But all those guys didn't live up to then what was the league MVP last year, and that was Cameron Scadaboo. And uh, he sort of was the breakout player of the, year, of the year in the Big Sky as well as just straight up one of the best players in the conference. But now, Andrew, you look at the list of running backs and – if you're voting for all league, you're basically voting on what guys could be because there's very few of these guys that are super decorated as of right now. Yeah, that's the thing about the running back position, though. That's Such true, an too. opportunity-driven position, right? That's you right. Need, that's right. You need to have the touches. So here are the guys, and we'll talk about this more on the podcast, here are the guys I'm looking to to step up and replace yeah. that list of guys that you just sent me. I think Anthony Woods at Idaho is a stud. He's a really, really talented back, for sure. But I'm I'm interested to see what somebody like Marcus Fulcher at Sac State's going to yep. do, what DeMond Bankston at Weber State's going to do. For sure. Who is going to be the guy at Montana State well, who that, we know has one of the best and, offensive and, lines in the country. And that's the thing is I think that if you're voting on this, and again, we'll have a Big Sky Breakdown podcast about that, all this, but I think you lean heavily on the trigger man for Montana State or maybe times two right. and the offensive line. And you, then you can justify having three, four, maybe even, I think I'm going to vote for five Montana State offensive players to be on my preseason all-league team. None of them play running back because that's the thing is the running back in the Bobcat offense is just sort of the mechanism. The quarterback's the mechanism. The the running back is sort of just like a faceless toy. They've had so many different guys they can put back there. Lane Sumner's going to rush for 100 yards several times this year. Is he going to, though, be able to to do it for a full season? I mean, the the dude, I I bet you Lane Sumner has seven or eight 100-yard games, and he's probably finished like 16 games in his whole career. So he has the ability to do it. He just has to stay healthy. But they have so many different options. I think they're going to sort of steal from each other. So that's why I think if I'm talking about Bobcat offensive players, I'm, I'm gravitating towards the offensive line. But your point is incredibly well taken. Bankston's been productive at Weber, even though he had to share the backfield with both Josh Davis and who was their other running back? They had another running back that maybe transferred. Uh, I'll remember uh, just a minute. Uh, but Marcus Fulcher, he had to—he was the, sort of the spellback for Cameron Scadaboo, so he'll definitely have 
uh, an elevated opportunity. Drayson Hall, NAU was a guy that came on really late uh, there. Nick Osmo had some shining moments for the Grizz last year, but he's also in a crowded backfield. And I also, I mean, I would say the same thing about the Grizz. I wouldn't yep. vote for any Grizz running back because I think that there's a variety of guys. Uh, certainly Xavier Harris, certainly Nick Osmo, but then also probably Isaiah Childs. I, I think a, a strong probably on uh, Eli Gilman, the uh, the the kid out of Minnesota who was the yep. player of the year there. Um, so I think it's going to be more by committee. I think that also says something about the league too, though, right? We had this moment of feature backs, and then I think quickly everybody saw, like every guy that we listed that was one of those returning All-Americans last year, all those guys were totally banged up. And I think everybody in the league is realizing, okay, if you get Isaiah Fonse and you can ride him like they did at Montana State, that's all fine and good, but also you're probably not going to be able to do that for four years. Yeah, for a minute there, the big sky was sort of the the one going against what's been, become the conventional wisdom in football. In which football, is the, period, right. The, these guys have really limited tread on their tires, so you need to have a good backup and a two or even a three running back system. Uh, ties in our guy at Weber State, the missing guy was Dante McMillan. Oh, Dante McMillan, right, and he transferred, he transferred to an FBS, I believe. I believe he did, yeah. Because uh, no. I think that was the one thing about Weber. There's a whole bunch of transfer portal movement out of a lot of the playoff teams from last year, but the guys from Weber, almost every single one of them transferred up. And a lot of times that's not what happens. Guys leave the big sky thinking they're going to get these FBS offers. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but uh, Dante McMillan certainly transferred up. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities, bringing a world-class fiber network to homes, communities, and businesses of all sizes, ensures Montanans have access to fast, reliable, and secure internet and phone services. Are you ready for fiber internet? To find out if fiber is coming to your area, visit goblackfoot.com slash ready for fiber. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications is the official digital sponsor of Bobcat Sports and Grizzly Athletics. Uh, it's interesting, Andrew. Uh, thanks to Blackfoot Communications, by the way, for their continued support of the Big Sky Breakdown here. Visit goblackfoot.com. The, um, this is year 17 for me covering the Big Sky Conference, and one of the things that re- has remained true forever is that the position that has among, if not the most elevated level of talent across the league is the wide receiver position. There's just you, you just because of several circumstances. Can we even talk about who we have at running back? Oh right. Can we just we just get through that really quick? Yep. So there's some thoughts about the uh, the depth uh, or lack thereof, the lack of familiar faces uh, among the running backs, but who do you have as your running backs pick? Uh, tough one here. This two picks are allowed. Yeah, this, by the way, two. So I went a little bit with potential, and we just talked about running back being such an opportunity-driven space. I went with with Anthony Woods for Idaho, who I, I think is did. the most talented running back in the league for sure. Uh, I think he showed some really special stuff his freshman season last year. I also went with Marcus Fulcher at Sac State. Fulcher was uh, had the unfortunate circumstance of being stuck behind. One of the most athletically talented players, uh, truly, I, I think that we've seen in the Big Sky cover. I mean, right? Escadabu was was. I, I'm not going to say he's the greatest athlete I've seen in the league. All I will say though is that he was one of the rarest combinations of what he had. He's so small and compact, yet 
I mean, he was. I, I I would say he was the fastest guy in the league in a forty-yard dash probably last year. Yeah, and he was also jumping over people <laughs> multiple mean, times a game. Forty-inch vertical for sure. Uh, might be hunting maybe, out contact. I mean, maybe one of the strongest guys. In the, I mean, if you watched him, you know what we're talking about. He he was he was a freak to the point where I think that like Arizona State is probably still beneath his potential, right? Like he ended no, up at sure. Arizona State in the offseason. I think he could be at some place a lot bigger than that. Uh, he, yeah, I mean, he he could play anywhere he wants in the West for sure. Uh, so Fulcher, though, they've tried to get the ball in a variety of ways. He actually had a fair amount of touches last year in, in, on the offense, but also uh, takes care of their return duties for him there uh, at Sac State, punt return specifically. Um, he's a really talented guy. I like that. I, I picked uh, Anthony Woods as well. And then I was lobbying between who I was going to select for the second one. We talked about the dynamic at Montana State. We talked about that dynamic at Montana. I, I've read about the Drayson Hall kid at NAU, but I haven't actually seen NAU live and in person in a couple years because the way the scheduling has worked. Lan Larison of UC Davis is actually a He was the third guy on my list, yeah. You, you know about him because he was an Idaho He's product, an Idaho right? kid, so Andrew, yeah. Andrew covered uh, preps in, in Pocatello, Idaho for a couple years. Larison had some flashes last year. He's also going to have elevated opportunities with Alonzo Gilliam out. He's another guy who uh, has been in their return game. That's sort of how he started there for UC Davis. Uh, he's an interesting, interesting player. I think he's also a really good athlete, and I uh, kind of am really interested in the story of how a kid from Caldwell, Idaho, got to UC Davis uh, and, like, what what he's doing there. Um, but, yeah, he, he's a guy who sort of splashed in the 2021 spring and fall season as a returner mostly, but I just, we it's such an opportunity-based position. Alonzo Gilliam had 195 carries last season. And also probably a boatload of catches. Bunch of receptions. I mean, he was the best receiving running back in the league. That's also the other part about this is Dan Hawkins is going to throw – the, the number one running back in the league in terms of receptions is going to be UC Davis's number one running back while Dan Hawkins is the coach. That's and it, part of the offense. It's a good argument for Larison. Here, the other thing on him is he he was really good in his limited touches last year. Only running back with more than 50 carries last year in the league to average more yards per carry than Cameron Scadaboo. Mm. Land Larison, 488 yards on 66 carries. Seven, wow. 7.4 yards per carry. Wow. On you know sixty six carries in eleven games, that's that's okay volume. Uh, I am going to just be so boring. I went with Anthony Woods. That's already on my ballot. I was wanting Andrew to talk me into somebody for my number two pick. I'm going with Damon Bankson because he's the lead running back at Weaver State. And Weaver State's just going to run the ball. And like you said, it's a position of opportunity. Uh, I really liked what I've seen out of him uh, in my times watching him, and I think he'll be able to rise to the occasion. Fullbacks. We both picked Derek Snell. We already talked about that because he's the only pick, both uh, if there was candidates, but especially because there's not candidates. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Wide receiver, though, is the spot in the league where 
there's still such a superior level of talent. There's, it seems like there's always double digits of receivers in the Big Sky that could play at a higher level, and that gives them such a huge advantage over the corners in the league specifically because a lot of times the corners are the one of the weakest positions in the league. Because if you can play that spot, you're almost certainly getting recruited, especially out west. Um, but I think that there's a lot of unproven guys on this list. I mean, I think that when you look at the, the whole top ten guys that are listed on this nominees list, I think pretty much every single one of those guys that are, the first ten listed could play or already have played in the Power Five or at least in the FBS. Uh, but some of them just haven't really done much yet. And Junior Bergen and Aaron Fonce at Montana are two of the most talented receivers in the league. There's no question about it. Cleveland Thomas at Montana State also is. How many opportunities are those guys going to get? So it makes, even though they're really, really talented, those guys fall off instantly for me just because they still got to prove it. Correct. I need to see it. But the team's got to prove they're going to want to give them the ball. Right. But even that still comes back to the guy, right? If sure. he's the guy, they're going to get him the ball. Cleveland Thomas is going to move to the outside, which could really help him. That's also going to help him because even though he's one of the better returners, a former Kentucky transfer for the Cats, Lenyatta Alexander, who I thought was one of the, oh, shit, guys of spring ball for the Cats. We can curse on this one? I mean, yeah, he is uh, – He's he, he, that's what they look like. I mean, there's a reason he's a four-star recruit that was right. like the number one right. receiver in the state of Washington. He looks the part for sure. So, Thomas, I think, could be a great addition to the outside because he's got good speed and he's got good over-the-shoulder ability, which is what they need from one of their outside guys because Tommy Vallot throws the back shoulder fades so well. Uh, but also, I think Thomas had to move because I, I think that even though he's really good, he wasn't going to beat out Junior Alexander. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe Alexander's a guy that could be nominated here, but I don't think any of those guys, though, are the, uh, the picks. I think, obviously, Hayden Hatton is a pick. We both – voted for him for Offensive Player of the Year. But I think the other two guys are pretty easy. Eastern Washington certainly taking a step back as a program, but the one thing that's still tried and true is that the best receiver at Eastern Washington is still one of the best receivers in the league. So Efton Chisholm gets one of my votes. And I think the other guy at Idaho is my other guy because I think that Jermaine Jackson, one, is individually unbelievably good, but two, also is going to feast because so many people are going to be focused on Hayden Hatton. That's exactly right. First three guys on this nominees list. That's right. Which makes it easy. Uh, those are my three guys as well. A uh, little bit of difficulty on that last spot. Apologies to, to Jared Gibson, I think, at Sac State. Uh, is a really good receiver, and, and maybe somebody like Hendricks Johnson at Northern Arizona. Certainly, I mean, as you mentioned, all these guys have the tools. All these guys have the talent. I mean, Darian, Darian Chase was the top 100 recruit in the country coming out of high school, went to Nebraska. He's, he had injury problems last year at Portland State, but he's another guy. I mean, he's a four-star recruit. So there, there's some really talented guys in the in the league. It's just that I think that the top three are pretty cut and dry. I think the top three are, are pretty cut and dry. Like you said, one last point on the wide receivers here. Not only is there their talent in the league, not only are there good wide receivers in the league, what's so impressive to me is that we're seeing guys of sort of like all shapes and sizes and roles, mm-hmm. right? Uh, like Efton Chisholm is just the, the smoothest route runner, like turning you in circles inside out. Hayden Hatton's going to jump over you and high point the ball. Jermaine Jackson's a burner. Uh, you see everything. For sure. Just a quick point. How would you use Junior Bergen? 
like Idaho uses Jermaine Jackson. Watch the film. Do that. That's what you should do if you're the Grizz. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any town pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Moving on. Tight ends. Two picks here uh, for the tight ends. Also tactful. We talked about Derek Snell earlier. Tactful, though, that he's not a tight end nominee. He's a fullback nominee because that allows Trayton Pickering from Montana State to be a tight end nominee. Whoever's doing these nominations at Montana State needs a raise. Well, I mean, it's Bill. Lamberty <laughs> definitely needs a raise. That's for sure. Uh, but he's certainly uh, doing these nominations, and he's doing them very, very well. Um also, though, Vegan is the type of coach where you could say, hey, coach, we should do this. He'd be like, that's a great idea. Instead of having some harebrained idea, he'd be like, yeah, that's great. That sounds great for our program. Let's nominate the most guys in the conference for all conference. It's amazing. Uh, Pickering's one of the nominees. Blake Goble, uh, Eastern Washington, also nominated. Marshall Martin, Sac State, Josh Gale, UC Davis, and Hayden Meacham of Weber State. Uh, I got Marshall Martin. That's automatic. He's a I think that's, that's a lock, yeah. Um, and uh, then I'm, I'm stuck on the second one. I'm leaning toward Hayden Meacham, but I also think, again, elevated opportunities. UC Davis loves to use their tight end in their offense. They've had several really good ones uh, since Dan Hawkins came back. So, Josh Gale, I'm not that familiar with him, but I think he might have some opportunities too. Where are you at? I think it's I think it's a tough one. I really liked what Blake Goble did last year at Eastern Washington, uh, you know, with Gunnar Talkington starting there for his first year. Yep. Uh, I thought they used Goble really well as sort of the safety blanket for the new quarterback. You always see that role from the tight end. Um, I went with Meacham, too, for the, for the second spot, but it, it was close for me, and I'm interested to see what a lot of those guys do. Yeah, I had Meacham as my default, so we'll just go with that. I think he gets extra points too. He he's he's a really big guy, uh, and Weber State's the biggest tight end in the league. Weber State runs the ball really well. Yeah. Uh, so while I I'm not gonna drill down really specifically on evaluating each of these guys on their run blocking, I'm just gonna assume from those two things that like right. he's a very good run blocker, or else he wouldn't be playing at Weber State. That's right, and he's also gonna been waiting his turn. He's shown flashes and. Uh, He's going to get an elevated opportunity here soon. Thanks, guys. Breakdown, SkyOnSportsMT.com. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any town pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. about the offensive line think about uh offensive lines around the league and sort of the defined narrative that a lot of teams in the league went with young offensive lines early during this sort of pandemic era so to speak because they knew those guys would have an extra or two extra redshirt years and then they could have third fourth and fifth year guys that still had eligibility left and then like sixth and seventh year guys like jackson slater at sac state now hunter mcginnis at montana Guys that have had long, long college careers, and that helps on the offensive line more than anything. Here's that bit uh, from Nuanas now earlier this week. 
I think that there's a, a certain dynamic that's going on right now. We've talked about the extended eligibility of guys and all the scenarios that that's created. You have these unprecedented sixth and seventh year seniors. Last year, you, anybody that was a, a senior last year that played as a freshman in the year that was so impacted by the pandemic, those players then got an unprecedented extra year. Usually if you play as a true freshman and you play for all four years, like Darian White did at Montana State or Beyond Speed did at Idaho, then your, your time is done. Your college career is over, period. Well, because those young ladies played through the pandemic-stricken year, as freshmen, they got a, a sort of complimentary fifth year. And so you saw Darian White transfer to Nebraska. You saw um, Beyonce transfer to Washington State. Well, in football, you saw these, these classes of super seniors, and Montana State actually had two of these in a row, and, and the Grizz did too. They had, they had some guys that were uh, super veterans, like Marcus Wellnell was uh, from a year ago. Um, but you also saw these rosters where there were so many different freshmen, freshmen and young players, because there were so many different versions of freshmen, right? Anybody that was an incoming freshman during that 2020 fall that got canceled, they basically got like a free redshirt year, right? There's also the, the kids that were redshirting that year, so they get like a free second redshirt year or something like that. So now, though, we're several years removed from that. Thank goodness. So we have these players that got basically two years worth of training as younger players that then now have multiple years of playing experience and a year or two or sometimes even three years of eligibility left as well. So that, that, that's what I was thinking, Andrew, when I was looking at this list, is there was a couple years there where the stars were so defined because you had all these super senior-type guys, but then you had a whole bunch of sort of unknowns. You didn't know who, like, the rising sophomores and juniors in the league were now. Now when you look at the all-league list, so many different familiar names because you have all these players that have now gotten multiple years of playing time under their belts so I think that the league, I don't know if there's necessarily like a couple of those shooting star type talents like a Cooper Cup or a Taiwan Jones or, you know, whoever you might think of, even a Dante Olson, a Troy Anderson. But I do think that there actually has an opportunity to be a lot better depth in the league, a lot more experience within the league. I think you're seeing, especially at schools like Sacramento State, Montana's probably in this boat, certainly Montana State's in this boat. They went young on the offensive line, and now their offensive lines aren't young anymore. They have a bunch of veteran offensive lines. So I, I do think that this year we're going to get to, you know, maybe who's going to be the stars in the league. But I, I don't know if there is necessarily that star power, but I also think the league is a lot deeper than it has been, and that's, I think, just so much of a product of the circumstance these last couple years. So that was one of the first things that stood out to me when I looked at the offensive line list. But here's our picks for the offensive line. I think that, first of all, you start with Montana State because I thought Montana State had the best offensive line in the league last year. Their offensive line got largely under-recognized because they were young and because there were so many good ones and because a couple of the most talented ones got hurt, which then led to the emergence of some other guys as well. So uh, I thought that the most consistent guy 
on the MSU offensive line this last year was Rush Reimer. He's a sophomore All-American uh, as a tackle, and uh, I think he has as good an upside as any offensive lineman in the conference. He's a Canvas Washington product who was really, really successful in high school state championships, all that sort of stuff, and there was a highly regarded and highly rated recruit who chose Montana State over a whole bunch of other offers, and he has certainly fulfilled, if not exceeded, his potential. So that's where I started. My other offensive lineman from MSU is JT Reed. I thought that uh, that's probably controversial, given that Justice Perkins was a stem-to-stern starter at center, and I do think Perkins is one of, if not the best pure centers in the league. But I went with Reed. I know Reed was in and out of the lineup last year. I think part of that was internal stuff. I don't know what it was. I'm not going to say it was discipline or this or that. He lost his starting job a couple, like I think once or twice, but I think it was to spur on competition, and that then paid off. But from my evaluation of the pure film, I thought he was the best pulling guard in the league, the best sort of power run outside zone guard in the Big Sky Conference. So I started with those two guys on my preseason. And then he also, from a Montana angle, got to throw Hunter McGinnis in there because he is a returning first-team All-League performer. Uh, he was the bright spot on the uh, Montana offensive line this last year. Airplanes galore here uh, in the Sawmill District. Uh, Hunter McGinnis was a first-team All-League selection a year ago there at Montana as well. Uh, we'll start there. What, what did you think? What, how did you go with the offensive line? I took the exact opposite approach. I thought at first I thought about the non-Montana State guys who had yeah, to be yeah, on yeah. the team because yeah, I yeah. figure you can just backfill with with your guys from Montana State, right. right? Right. So I'm just looking at it and I see Noah Atagi from Weber State, yep, Jackson Slater from Sac State, yeah, both of those Hunter McGinnis from Montana. Yep, we're on guys. are are the returning first team All Conference guys. Yep. So I filled those three guys in, yep. and then I, I'm kind of coming down to, well, do I just want to put three guys from Montana State on there? Because I think you could certainly have Justice Perkins For on sure. there with the two guys that you mentioned. Or do I do I look somewhere else? Do I look at, at Ethan Atagi from Weber State, who was an all-conference guy last year? Uh, do I look at Jordan Ford from UC Davis? Uh, I ended up going with just three Montana State guys to fill it out, and, and including Justice Perkins there. There you go. Uh, my guy that I, I uh, went with, Rush Reimer, JT Reed, Hunter McGinnis, Jackson Slater, Noah Ataji, just like Andrew said, and uh, then my sixth guy was Jake Parks. I've had an affinity for Jake Parks because um, when he was a redshirt freshman, he was a freshman All-American, and Tim Plow, who's formerly the offensive coordinator at UC Davis, then left for a job at Boise State, uh, certainly a friend of the Big Sky Breakdown podcast. He told me he thought Jake Parks was the most talented offensive lineman in the conference when he was going to be a sophomore. Then he was a first-team All-League guy as a sophomore, and uh, I thought he had a chance to be the best guy in the entire league. UC Davis has a very underrated and very good offensive line. Parks then was hurt last year, so I think this is a big redemption year for him, but I'm giving him the nod only because of my back history with the guy. I just... I trust Tim Plow a lot. I think his evaluation is good. He was obviously telling me that to pump up his guy, but, he still, but still, he's got to yeah. be on the at least in the conversation. I mean, that stuff counts for for, for offensive sure. line especially. For w- sure. Word of mouth, yeah, catching a, a, a really right. great play on the tape, like you're saying with, sure. with JT Reed, just watching him pull. Yeah, I mean, I, I that call, stuff counts. I talked to Eddie Thompson on the phone the other day, and I asked him exactly that too. I said, "What's up with your offensive line?" And he says, "Well, you know, Jackson Slater." I said, "Yep." He said, "That's our guy. That's our anchor." Uh, we like the other two guys we have uh, up front as well. And they, they did have 
three nominees. So uh, Nathan Nathan Mijia, uh, Nathan Nathan Mejia, who Mejia, was a me, yep. second team guy last year. And then Troy Stifle was also a second team yeah. guy last year. Uh, so I think both those guys are young too, so they're coming. They're going to get their moment in the sun. It's just that Slater is a he's a first team All League guy who's also a seventh year senior who's also you know six five three hundred something pounds. So I mean he is certainly the most formidable and experienced tackle in the league. I think that gets you somewhere, especially with a team with such uh, good offensive acumen. Uh, as Sac State. Anything else on the offensive lines before we switch to the defense? No, I don't think so. Just, uh, fundamentally, do you break these guys out per position on the offensive line, or you just take the best six guys? Uh, I just take the best six guys because I, I, you know, I, I'm glad they do it by position in the postseason. Sure, because there is defined positions, right? This is more of a nod to what you've done rather than a an affirmation of what you just got done doing, and so. I mean, like last year, I had Justice Perkins as a first-team All-League guy at center. I thought, he's, I thought he was the best-performing center in the conference. And I think he'll, he'll be in the mix right there as well once it is structured by position. Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com slash apply. Defensive line, uh, this was five picks here. This was uh, easy for four and uh, then searching a little bit for the fifth. But I had Governor, I, I had Val, Sebastian Valdez, Seabass from Montana State. I had Bertie Greeby from Montana State. Then I had Aloy Queet, who's a guy that's is the guy that's making the most noise in that program. He's getting the most sort of publicity outside of the program. Besides maybe Hendricks Johnson, the receiver, um, and then the fifth, I, I we'll get to that. But what, what did you think? I, was, I mean, the, the first two, the interior guys from Montana, Montana State, are the no-brainers. And Brody Greeby, I think, was a no-brainer for me for too. Sure. Well, a, a lock is a guy who's uh, he's returning first-team all leagues, has all the tools to yeah. be one of the best pass rushers in the country. I had a fourth guy who was pretty easy. It wasn't the same as yours. Who's that? Chuba Maai. From UC Davis, yeah, for sure. And they actually, I thought, all, I thought both Chuba Maai and Zach Kennedy had a pretty good uh, nomination notes. Chuba Maai is just a guy that I have watched because I've I've watched him get recruited because I think I was down at ISU and, and sure. ISU was in on him. Yeah, he's a guy who's uh, kind of like a, a throwback nose tackle where he's putting up twenty twenty five tackles a year, but he's just so important. Yeah, yeah. To that defense at UC Davis, so he's a throwback nose. He's he's a great athlete. I was, I looked up his bio for this. He said his his proudest athletic accomplishment was running a five minute mile, which is whoa for a guy who's that size. Is that's astounding? Is incredible. I mean, he had, that's that's like beyond belief, honestly. He blocked multiple kicks last year. I just think he's he's like one of the litmus test guys in the league where. If you know about him, you should be considering him for a team like this. So so he was my fourth guy, and then I had a little bit of trouble with the fifth. My fifth guy was Jeff Stanley because he was a standout a year ago at Sac State, and I do think that they've been – they certainly have risen to the level where they have some of the better talent in the league. I know their defense was you – know, certainly left something to be desired a year ago uh, in certain ways, but they st- still had individual talent. So Jeff Stanley was my fifth guy. 
I ended up at Eddie Lloyd Quetty. Quetty? Quetty. Yeah, I think that's right. For my fifth pick at Northern Arizona. Uh, again, just because the the potential of it, like of him, like you talked about. Um, a guy who's been getting buzzed there, certainly. Another guy who's a, a great athlete. Yep. Uh, linebackers. Here's your number one talking point. Well, I guess your number one talking point is the return of David Hogue. Maybe that's your number one least known about talking point, I should say. Uh, David Hogue was an outstanding player at Northern Colorado two years ago, missed last year with a knee injury. Armand Bailey looks like the next guy in line at Sac State, so I think that really is um, important for him. We talked all about Winston Reed. He's certainly on Andrew and uh, my ballots as uh, certainly a front runner for, if not the leader in the clubhouse for the defensive MVP in the league. But my most newsworthy thing about looking at this linebacker group is there's two each from Montana and Montana State nominated here. And I'm leaning towards, if not definitively uh, decided upon, not voting for any of them. Okay. Interesting. I'm leaning, like I'm leaning towards just taking one of one guy from each of those <laughs> groups and calling it a day. I know. So I texted my brother that, Brooks Duana, is a contributor here on the Big Sky Breakdown, co-founder of Skyline Sports. I said, uh, I said pick one each. Braxton Hill, Levi Janicaro from Montana, Nolan Askelson, and Danny Ulilakepa from Montana State. Uh, and he said Braxton Hill and Danny U, which would actually be the, the opposite answer of what you'd be doing if you were picking based upon the stats. Uh, that's actually not true. Danny Ulilakepa was second on the team in tackles last year for Montana State. But he was certainly the lesser of the two. He, he, he got ran at more than any of the other yeah, yeah. linebackers from Montana State because he was a freshman. I mean, they, people were trying to put him through the ringer. He also was a former, you know, King County Player of the Year. I mean, Jeff Choate called him the gem of the class uh, when the former MSU head coach was there. And Ulula uh, Kepa was coming out of Puyallup, Washington. Um, Levi Janet Carroll was an all-league guy last year. Braxton Hill was not. Braxton Hill was the guy that was starting first, though. He just got hurt. And then Janet Carroll took, uh, for sure, the most of his opportunity. Nolan Askelson, I think, is the best guy of this group. When he's at his best, he's just also been very hurt, especially considering last year coming off another ACL. So, um, I don't know. I I think all four of these guys are really good players. I just couldn't give them the nod over the guys that I'm deciding to vote for. See, my reasoning is that you just – you're just voting for them as a representative of that group. Yeah, oh, that's right. Which is, that's like, right. completely unfair and, like, antithetical sure. to the entire spirit of this exercise. Here's the thing. Levi Janicaro is going to be a preseason all-league selection because he wears Correct. 37 at Montana. And I would, Three quarters of the league is going to be like, that guy wears 37 at Montana. He's a linebacker. He's a nominee for the Grizz. He's he's a he's all league guy, and he he's my fourth pick. I'm yeah. taking him yeah. along with, and it's not wrong. Like like you're saying, it's 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 incorrect for the way the exercise is supposed to go. But also, you're not going to be incorrect at the end. A starting linebacker for the Grizz is going to have a bunch of stats if he plays the whole time, and the fact that he's a walk on kid from Missoula who wears 37, like he's going to leave his, his heart and soul on the field. He's going to have. 100 tackles if he plays the whole season. Okay, I'm I'm really curious now who you went with. So I, I think I would take Janet Carroll for Montana, and I think I would take Danny Yu for Montana State because I just kind of default to the stats because yeah. health, is a, health is an ability. For sure. Um, I, I will say that, that I think Danny Yu has a great potential. I also think that he was the, the 
the cog of the defense that got attacked the most for sure. Montana State last year. There's a reason he was second on the team in tackles. Part of it's because he's a sure tackler. Part of it's because he got attacked a lot. Those two things kind of go hand in hand. He also didn't have uh, as as apt of a running mate as he will this year with Askelson. Askelson played like the first five games last year, but they got hurt. So Askelson being back will help Danny Yu as well. Uh, I, so here's who I voted for. I voted for David Hogue, Armin Bailey, Winston Reed. But then I also voted for Nick Eaton of UC Davis, who's a guy that their coaching staff's incredibly high on. Good player. And I think uh, I voted for Parker McKenna of Portland State. Sort of in spite, sort of for a conversation piece, but also sort of because he had 125 tackles as a sophomore. And I do think that while Portland State, I don't think is a true league contender, I do think that they're not, they're also not a bottom dweller. And I think that they have some good talent. I think I needed to get some sort of Portland State guy on the team. And uh, he had good numbers. And I know internally they're very high on him, too. Yeah, I think there are a lot of, of really good, intriguing names sort of at the at the bottom of this list here. I like the David Meyer kid from Cal Poly, too. For sure. I actually like both of the UC Davis guys. I think Teddy Buchanan's pretty good. No, for sure. You also have to remember Trey Thomas. He's a transfer from South Dakota. Anybody that watched South Dakota play in Missoula, the super extremely muscular linebacker who would then sometimes pop out and guard the slot that was Trey Thomas at South Dakota last year. Now he's going to be at Idaho. I thought he was very physically impressive when he was in Missoula last year. Yeah, as always, the linebackers and sort of going hand-in-hand hand with the wide receivers on offense, it's just one of the deepest position groups for sure in the league always, and part of that is because you can always count on two guys each from Montana and Montana State being in this conversation every year, but I think there's a lot of, of good depth there throughout the league, and I think probably – like your approach is probably honestly the the best way to go here is to consider these guys instead of just defaulting to I know these three guys are the best linebackers in the league and then I'm just going to sort of default to the Montana and Montana State guys. Here's the thing: if Danny Eula Cape fulfills his potential, he could be one of, if not the best linebackers in the league. That's that's true. He has great pedigree. Nolan Askelson's a great story, having endured all he's endured, come back from multiple injuries, and now he's wearing that. Uh, number 41 legacy number at Montana State. Janet Carroll is also a great story. A converted high school quarterback from Missoula Big Sky who walked onto the Grizz and now is wearing number 37 and is chasing a second straight all-league season. But I actually think the most talented physical guy of these four guys we're talking about is Braxton Hill. Sure. He's just got to figure out a way. He First of all, he got stuck because he was behind Dante Olson and Jace Lewis and uh, you know Marcus Wellnell and these great players, Patrick and that's Toronto. supposed to be the path to success at Montana. Sure. He just got hurt at the end of it, and then he, and he got a chance. He was like the third guy last year, and then he got hurt. A couple guys on the Grizz team last year compared Braxton Hill to Dante Olson, and I actually don't think that that's that outside of the realm of possibilities comparison. Dante Olson uh, has as good of a nose for the ball as that we've ever seen. But Braxton Hill's a great athlete, and I also think he wants it a lot. So we'll see what he, we'll see what he can do in his fifth year. Uh, anything else on the linebackers before we move on? Uh, how about defensive backs? We talked about Maxwell Anderson. We already got that on the record. Um, I'm still waiting to hear back from a source at Idaho because they have three nominees. Yep. Marcus Harris, Thomas McCormick, and Mervyn Kenyon the third. So I'm going to vote for one of those three guys. Whoever my source tells me is the best of those three guys. Marcus Harris had the best stats out of those guys last year. There you go. Okay, so he's he's getting leaned on. I really like Rex Connors. You talked about Max Anderson. I'm totally in agreement of that. 
So the other guys I have on here is this is pick six, by the way, defensive backs. I got Appropriate. Corbin Walker. I got Corbin Walker from Montana. Yep. I got Simeon Woodard. Simeon, excuse me. Sorry, Simeon. You told me last year it's Simeon, bro. Say it right. <laughs> okay, I got it. Simeon Woodard uh, of Montana State, and uh, I got Camden Hightower of Northern Arizona. Okay, talk me through. Talk me through that one. To be completely fair, here's my here's my rationale on this. It's not really much of anything besides that NAU, I feel like, is the team that has been the longest since I've seen them in person. <laughs> and that's just because they haven't come to Montana since pre-pandemic. And we haven't gone to Flagstaff post-pandemic. It's just it's a hard place to get to. It's expensive. And uh, NAU hasn't been all that good, so it hasn't been a, you know, sort of – must-see game down there in flag, so I haven't seen NAU. But I do think they do a decent job of promoting their guys internally and also putting feelers out there in the league for guys to be talked about. And sort of the two guys that they're pumping are Loi Quiti as well as uh, Camden Hightower. He seems like the, the next guy. Kay. Morgan Vest, th- their defensive scheme also, though, like Morgan Vest was their best player but also their most prestigious player last year. Hightower slides over there, so I think that he has a chance there. Okay, I see. I I I went a little bit different. I that's good reasoning. I just um, I went with Tyrese Shakir from Portland State, sort of in that last spot. I don't know much about him. So he's he's Khalil Shakir's brother. Okay, for number one was Northern Arizona, right? No, Khalil Shakir went to Boise State and then got Mm. drafted by the Bills. Oh, sure. Okay, the wide receiver. Yeah. Tyree Shakir, he popped last year. He had this crazy game where he had, like, multiple sacks, but then he also he had multiple interceptions throughout the year. So they're using him kind of interestingly, and I the reasoning here is not all that sound because I didn't watch a ton of Portland State last year. Totally. His stats. And the game that we did watch live in Missoula was so unbelievably chaotic. And, you like, unorthodox you and everything. any personnel evaluations besides Dante Sachere, like, running around crazy and then being pretty tough and then get knocked out and all of a sudden it's so hot he's puking on the sidelines there it was total chaos you couldn't evaluate anything from Portland State it was weird so I also didn't take Parker McKenna at linebacker like you did for Portland State and I kind of agree with you that like I'd like to have a Portland State guy on there and like as the sixth defensive back I think Tyrese Shakir has a bunch of potential He, he jumped off the page when I was looking at him last year uh, so I went. I went with him. Uh, Jordan Napke had a bunch of tackles for Northern Colorado last year. Not sure how good he is. I thought it was interesting that Idaho State nominated Calvin Pitcher, but not their cornerback Josh Alford, right? Who has sort of been the face of their team by default for the sure. last couple of years. A, a yeah. good corner guy, good cover guy. I know he he represented them at the Big Sky kickoff last year. He's still listed on their roster, so I I don't know what's up with that. But he's another guy I might have given a look because I know he's a he's a pretty good cover corner there in pokey but I I think we're we're in agreement on most of these picks I mean Maxwell Anderson Rex Connors Corbin Walker at Montana like those guys check all the boxes I think Corbin Walker is really underrated player for the Grizz I think Simeon Woodard is is a proven commodity I mean he's been one of the better corners in the league for two years now he had a breakout freshman year and then he was above that I'd say he was a plus last year can he be a plus plus and be like a true first team all-league guy We'll see, but he definitely has that sort of potential. Connors is a guy I love, though. He's a throwback big sky safety. He's a six foot four guy who's rangy. He can run. Um, he just reminds me of sort of like guys that used to be able to play safety in the big sky. I think a lot of teams have gone away from that because they want 
such heavy ability and coverage. So they'll sacrifice a smaller body. Connors can cover, though, and he can really run, and that's the whole point. And he can crash the box, and he's going to put up a bunch of stats For this sure. year. I mean, he already did last year, but yeah. he's, he's a low-key defensive player of the year candidate. I know they nominated For him, sure. uh, but he was one of the best freshman defensive players in the country last year. The other guy, I mean, I think that because, again, the, the way that the positions work, I do think that a safety from Montana is going to have an opportunity to be on this list. They just couldn't really, in good conscience, nominate either Garrett Graves or Nash Fouch, but I do think that either of those guys or maybe both of those guys is prone for a big year for the Grizz. And if they had a big year, they might end up on the uh, the postseason list. Anything else on the DBs? No, again, an inter- interesting, diverse group. Um, I think there's a lot of potential for, um, like you said, new names to come on this list by the end of the year. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Thanks for that breakdown. Pick a kicker for me. There's two nominees, Ricardo Chavez from Idaho and Johnny Smith of Portland State. I already took my Portland State guy, yeah. so I'm going with Chavez. Chavez was clutch last year. He also He's had, good. Uh, so he had some interesting moments as well. So, okay, uh, that's good. Uh, pick a punter for me. Nick Kokich, Eastern Washington. Emil Haranen, Haranen of Northern Arizona. I'm sorry, I'm screwing up these. Haranen, uh, I think. Haranen, okay. And... Uh, George Triplett of Portland State, and Cal McGow of Sac State. Kokich had the best average last year. I know uh, Emil Harrinen made some headlines for being, like, the first Finnish-born punter, I think, in the F in Division I college football. But Kokich had an average two yards better than he did, so uh, he was second in the conference to Patrick Rohrbach last year, so I just went with him. Uh, Eastern Washington always has good specialists. NAU always has good specialists that also have intrinsic advantages. Punting at, you know, 7,000-plus feet above sea level, so there's that. Uh, Okay, kick returner. I think this is a very stacked position. Marky Johnson of Montana State showed great flashes and took one to the house last year. Uh, Elijah Tau Tolliver of Sac State, uh, electric guy. But I think the two top candidates here are Abraham Williams who was absolutely lightning in a bottle. Unbelievable. Might be the heir apparent in the league. And then Jermaine Jackson is also really, really good. But there's been sort of the the king kick returner in the league for two iterations of guys. It was Rashid Shahid for four straight years, and then it was Blake Flowers for four straight years. Abraham Williams seems like the heir to the throne. I mean, I don't think that we properly appreciate what Abraham Williams did at Weber State last he year. He got halfway right? to Rashid Shahid's record in one, one year. year. right. Uh, four kick return touchdowns averaged 37.4 yards per kick yeah, return. That's him. I mean, and also, he passes the eye test, man. Oh, he is he's, he's literally fast. Yeah. When you're watching him on the on the ESPN Plus <laughs> or on the replays of the screen, man, he blurs the screen. He's moving so fast. He's way taller and way longer than Rashid Shahid, so the way he looks like when he's striding is just incredible. I mean, he's cer- he, if you haven't watched, you should go. Here's what you do. If you're a big Big time, big sky football nerd. And if you're listening to this, you are. Go look up 
the box scores from Weaver's games and when Abraham Williams scored kickoffs. And then just find the game on ESPN Plus, fast forward to that, and just watch it. It's it's crazy to watch, man. He's really, really, really fast. The interesting thing with him will be like sort of with Rashid Shahid and Malik Flowers. Yeah. Th- does he find a role outside of special teams? Right. I think he's I think he's a corner actually for right. Weber State. Is that a role that he he can play, or is he just the the greatest gimmick player in the league? So then we move on to punt return. So we're both picking Abraham Williams for yeah. return. Yeah. Okay. So we move on to punt returner. Um, Jermaine Jackson's also a candidate there, but also Junior Bergen, Taco Dowler, Junior Bergen of Montana, Taco Dowler of Montana State, Marcus Fulcher of Sac State, also very worthy candidates there at Good punt list. returner. Jermaine Jackson was the guy last year, but also, I mean, everybody was in the mix. Taco Dowler had a return for a touchdown. MSU's oh, two for touchdowns, that's right. Uh, and MSU hadn't had one in quite some time. Junior Bergen had one of the most electric plays of the Grizz season. Uh, and Fulcher's just really, really, really good, too. So where are we at here? I went with Junior Bergen. I, th- I think that's who it's going to be. He's the most talented. I mean, his ceiling as a punt returner, what he showed in, on that punt return, punt return against Portland State, just unreal. The, the vision, the quicks, uh, the long striding speed as well. It's a really good list. Um, Bergen's a guy who I would have liked to have been maybe nominated for all-purpose player. Yes. Because he's going to get a lot of touches, hopefully. If he doesn't, then mutiny in the streets. I don't know how you give this guy 19 catches last year. It's just it's just crazy. He's going to get a lot of touches from a lot of different spots he in the Montana should, offense. He should. If he does not, it's, it's going to be not a good situation. But... You know, I already sort of, you know, I after him I would go to Jermaine Jackson, but I'm putting Jermaine Jackson at first team wide receiver. Yeah. I'm I put Fulcher at running back, so I think I think you're fine here with Junior Bergen taking that punt returner spot. Uh, this reminds me to give you a little update here, injury update. Uh, one, two, three times a lady. First of all, Taco Dowler is going to be out for the beginning part of the season. He's got a shoulder that he's coming back from. Heard it during spring ball and had surgery. So should be back, but uh, probably going to be out early. Um, that's Montana State. Kagan Williams, who I actually contemplated for a brief moment as a running back on this list, San Diego State transfer to MSU. Well, then I went to look up his stats from last year, and he's not on the roster, so I confirmed with Montana State Sports Information that he's not on the roster. They didn't really give much of an update as to the why, but that's not their responsibility. But they did confirm that Kagan Williams is not on the roster he missed last season with a neck injury. You have to really think that that's, that's why he's not coming back because it's, it's just not healed yet. And uh, then the third one is Cole Grossman. He's uh, in Arizona rehabbing a knee injury that sounds like it's going to cost him at least the beginning part of this year. He's a tight end out of Montana. So um, we'll see if he can make his way back sometime during 2023. But Cole Grossman also expected to be out uh, early uh, for the Grizz. Uh, long snapper. It's a pick one, and there's uh, only three nominees. I, I actually waffled on uh, the Portland State kid only because Portland State's had two pro snappers over the last 12 years. So you got to think, okay, maybe they just have a, a formula there. But uh, I went with Tommy Sullivan, Montana State. Okay. I uh, Any reason? He was an all-league guy a year ago. Yeah. Uh, he's – I just think that if, if a team's willing to – use a spot and a scholarship on you as a a only long staffer, then you're probably pretty good. I think it's smart to do as well, though. So you just kind of have that position shored up. Um, But he, I mean, he made some plays last year. I mean, he, uh, 
He had a fumble recovery during that insane game in Bozeman against Weaver. He, he made a couple tackles on kickoff, so he's not like a completely helpless guy. He could he could tackle you if he has to. I don't know. I, I just I think he's a he's an up and coming guy, and I just I, I just think that uh, defending league champs, I went with him. Great that you convinced me that I I actually sort of provisionally had the Cal Poly guy Cruz yeah. Rubio circled just because he was the first guy on the list, and he's sure. also a name I've heard of. Sure, uh, but you've talked me into Tommy Sullivan for Montana State. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any town pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Uh, special teams player. There's only three nominees, and uh, I just went with Trevor Gradney of Montana. He was the first team all league guy a year ago. Uh, to me, I think that he's a. I think Trevor Gradney needs to turn into an all league player or like a, 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 a contributing player, not just on special teams. It's a great role he has had at, at Montana, but I think that his aspirations should be much higher than that. The next step up from here. For him is being the starting corner opposite Corbin Walker. That's I mean, right. that's he's got an opportunity to be that this year. Yeah. And I, th- I mean, that's a, certainly an important part of Montana's defense. No question. But I voted for Granny. Did you vote for Granny? I did. Yeah. Too? Okay. Cool. Uh, and then lastly, again, the brilliance of the Montana State nominations. They made sure to get Sean Chambers on this list too. So uh, I think there's almost a, a complete certainty that MSU is going to get two offensive linemen because they nominated four. They're going to get. I think for sure one defensive lineman, if not two. I think probably Val, two, Valdez yeah. for sure and probably Greeby. Uh, they're going to for sure, I would say for sure, but they're going to pretty likely get one linebacker. Yeah. They're going to certainly get a, a DB in Simeon, Simeon Woodard. They might get Tommy Mallott. Yeah. <laughs> They're definitely getting Derek Snell. Yeah. And they might get Drayton Pickering. And then you put a cherry on top because they're definitely getting Sean Chambers because he's the only all-purpose player nominated. So you're talking about, I mean, I don't know how much how much this gets you, but it definitely wins you the July newspaper headlines. Bobcats Somebody's going to have to write about Bobcats it because we're all going to the kickoff. Big Sky yeah. nominees. Montana State picked to win the conference again. Like yep. it's, it, Regardless if you think this stuff is pointless and silly, it's good for your program to it's, have the headlines across the Big Sky. Montana State picked to win the league. Montana State leads the nominations and all Big Sky players. I think I, I think it's good for your PR. It's a game, and you got to play the game. Yep. And I mean, it's not like it's it's not like they're gaming the system here either. Montana no, sure. State is probably still the most talented team in the conference. Yep. I mean, also if there's an all-purpose category, the Big Sky should let all the teams know that if they don't already. And if all the teams do know that there's an all-purpose player on this list, they should nominate somebody. John Chambers would be the pick even if there was other nominees, but he should also have some competition in this. Like Max Anderson could be on this list. Uh, I mean, Junior Bergen and Jermaine Jackson should both be on there. For sure. No no doubt about it. I mean, Marcus Fulcher should be on this list. Um, yeah, there, there's a, a variety of players that could be on. I mean, Derek Schnell could even be I on mean, this all-purpose list. All-purpose player can be anything, man. That's right. That's right, so I think there should be some competition. But either way, the pick would be Sean Chambers. Here's the thing about Chambers, though. 
is he really is an all-league type talent. He is. And uh, so he's deserving to be on this preseason team. Any other thoughts about this before uh, we transition? My most general thought just about seeing this list of nominees, and um, I'm sorry if this feels like punching down. I just feel like I had to note it. Yeah. It's just how how tough it's going to be for the bottom teams in the conference this year. That's right. Idaho State nominated two players. Yeah. Northern Colorado nominated two players. That's right. Cal Poly, I think, nominated seven, but, uh, you know, they, they nominated the long snapper sure. uh, to get to that number. It's just. They're I also th- the status of their program where, like, even just having guys' names on this list is like a boost of confidence because they're so young. Correct. Yeah. But, I mean, also in previous years, like, those programs, Northern Colorado, Idaho State, they had guys at least who you could throw on this list. For sure. They had offensive linemen who started last year who were yeah, coming yeah, yeah. back, who played okay. They had, you know, a linebacker coming back. Oh, yeah. Who you at least could throw on this list who got 80 tackles. I mean, the, the, for as bad as Idaho State has been, as much as they've struggled over the last 10 to 15 years, the best player at Idaho State forever was a first-team all-conference All-league player. guy. And I don't yep. know if that's true anymore. I, I do not think that's true. <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, Even if they're really bad years when they had guys like, I mean, Tyler Cooter or... Uh, AJ Storms, or I mean, there's just guys that have stuck out. Or Roderick even just Rumble, just the depth. I mean, they're Hill. usually their best linebacker, their best DB, yeah, right. and their best defensive lineman can at least be nominated for a list like right, this. Totally. This year, nothing. Uh, so I, I that jumped out to me. I think part of that is tactful by the coaches too, though. I, I do think that. I mean, Cody Hawkins came on ESPN and he said, "I have no illusions of this. This place is is way far behind." We're not good, and we're going to try our best to, to build it back up in a real long-term way. And I mean, that's true. The furthest thing that Idaho State should be thinking about is which of their players is going to make all league because, <laughs> right. spoiler alert, at the end of the year, they're not. you're not going to have any guys on the first team. For sure. So at, at some point, like, like, what does it matter? You have so many other things to worry about. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. We'll have another episode uh, in a day or two about our preseason poll. So stay tuned for that. We'll also have continued Big Sky Conference football talk on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. And uh, we'll also have full coverage for you out of the Big Sky kickoff. Well, I'll be doing the radio show from Montana, but Andrew will be on the ground at the Big Sky kickoff on July 24th, and we'll have the full reporting on these all-league teams as they were actually voted upon, the all-league, uh, excuse me, the preseason polls, and uh, everything in between. Keep on following along, Skyline Sports, SkylineSportsMT.com, every day, every season. For Andrew Houghton, I'm Coulter Nuwana. another episode coming your way as soon as possible. Thanks for listening. Do you want your sports news, commentary, and features from a corporate publication? Would you like to hear it from local experts who have lived in your community their entire lives? As Skyline Sports, Coulter and Brooks Nuanas bring more than two decades of experience to give you old-school journalism with a new-age presentation at SkylineSportsMT.com. The Nuanas brothers provide knowledge from a family who lives Big Sky Conference athletics every day. For $8 a month or 90 bucks a year, get access to comprehensive college grizz and bobcat coverage at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every Every day, every season.